You are listening to an episode of the Technology Consulting Series on Design Talk. Okay, uh, welcome to the podcast, everyone. Uh, my name is Rachel. And I'm Bing Chen. Um, and our guest today is Trevor Dunn from Grand Thornton, Ireland. Yeah, uh, you're very welcome to the podcast, Trevor. Uh, so uh, could you say a few words about yourself and Grand, uh, Grand Thornton's consulting business? Sure, yeah. Um, so thanks very much and uh, thanks for asking me. Delighted to be here. So I lead Grant Thornton's Digital Consulting, our technology consult- consulting practice here in Ireland. Uh, throughout my career in GTM, before I came here, I've been working with clients to develop strategies, digital strategies, IT strategies, operating models, to help clients select, procure systems, design, implement um new operating models using that technology. I've been with Grant Thornton for about two and a half years now, and we do exactly that. Um, So what we focus on is what we call business integration. Uh, So what we're doing is delivering sustainable business outcomes via transformational change journeys based on leading edge technology. So that's what I do. Um, I suppose, look, just in terms of, uh, given the audience here, it might be worth just telling you about my, my route to technology consulting because it it certainly wasn't a foregone conclusion. It wasn't an obvious one. I actually studied uh, corporate finance at university. And during that, I did a year-long placement with a a global global aviation firm working in a corporate finance team. And I remember when I joined, the previous placement student gave me a handover. I had a week-long handover. And they gave me three lever arch files full of all the processes and tasks that I had to follow every month. I found that incredibly boring and I decided what I was going to do was get rid of all that. So I bought a book on coding and I started to automate everything. Um, And I got quite advanced actually. um, And I basically got rid of everything that I had to do. I turned it into an automatic program. So then people in 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 the business worldwide started to phone me up and ask me if I could write an application to do their job. So um, it kind of turned me off where I was headed and sent me in a different direction. After I finished my degree, joined one of the consultancy firms where I qualified as an accountant. So I still couldn't give up on the finance piece. Uh, but I spent most of my career to date working for large and medium-sized firms here in the UK, also United States and worldwide, uh, helping to transform the business using technology. So that's me. Okay, great. Thanks so much for that. Um, so firstly, what is your idea of the role of a consultant in an organization? Okay. Um, so look, I, I, w- I would say that maybe in the ideal world, consultants might not be needed, right? But the, the world of business is a fast moving, complex pace. And I would say at the moment, more so than ever, right? Change has become faster. Um, and I think the last couple of years have shown it's become less predictable. Right. So business leaders, managers, they need to be able to work fast to keep the business running, keep stay competitive. But they also need to be able to plan and to react in a very agile way. So they need to be able to react to the opportunities or the issues that they face. Now, ideally, when they're faced with these opportunities or issues, they'll bring thought leadership on what to do. They'll know what to do. They'll bring a really good approach for how to do it. And they'll have lots of experience. So they know the pitfalls and know the risks and how to mitigate them. Um, and, and some business leaders may have some of these things, but more often than not, their day jobs, uh, because of their day jobs, they don't quite have the time. They may not have up-to-date knowledge um, 
or the approach to how to deal with something that could be quite specific, something that could be quite one-off or a niche thing. Uh, it may not be a core competence for them or for the company that they work on. Um, on top of that, they may not have the people with the wherewithal or the capacity to do the job or tackle the task, or indeed the, I suppose, the independence of thought. Um, and that's where that's where consultants come in. I suppose in the sphere that I work in, digital consulting, um, over the years, I've helped clients develop strategies, um, select system procure, and implement systems. Um, and apart from all the skills and the experience, the technical knowledge needed to do these things, um, I think what we've brought in uh, is independence. So consultants are freed from the baggage of internal knowledge, the politics. They're free from knowing all the reasons why something can't be done. And they come in from the outside, re-examine the issues. They'll often reframe the problem, bring a fresh perspective. And I think the perspective piece is really important. Um, often we can help a client test out their own hypotheses, uh, test out their assumptions in a, in a safe way. Um, so with really good consultants, clients get to learn more about themselves and develop because of it. Um, so consultants bring a particular expertise in something, but they also bring a fresh perspective and they bring drive and motivation to, to move things forward. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, so, do you think uh, we need some uh, deep expertise in all domains? Uh, so, in short, no. Uh, I mean, there are consultants out there who are more generalists. Um, and in some ways, as we progress in our careers towards the holy grail of becoming the, uh, the trusted advisor to our clients, we will evolve maybe a little bit in that direction. But we're usually brought in for our particularly deep skills in something in particular. Now, it doesn't have to be very niche, could be as wide as technology, but it could be, it could be more niche than that. There, there are an infinite number of routes into being a consultant, uh, an infinite number of starting points, but there's probably an infinite number of uh, different consulting domains. I think um, the well-used concept of the T-shaped the consultant is actually a good one. Um, so for those who haven't come across it, we envision the capital T, representing your skill set with the, the vertical bar uh, representing a depth of skills in a, in, a, in a single field, whereas the horizontal bar is the little bit, you know, about a lot of re related disciplines. Um, so the, the horizontal T and the skills in there allow you to take a broader perspective. Um, if, if, the, if the vertical is the nerdy skills, the, uh, the horizontal is the skills that allow you to have broader conversations, right? Um, allow you to uh, function as, as consultants and to appreciate and incorporate kind of adjacent fields. Um, so the T-shaped consultant, if you like, knows a little about a lot and then has one or more areas uh, where he or she knows a lot, lot of stuff. I think that's useful. Um, so uh, if you take the area of technology consulting, for example, I think it's really important that you develop that T-shape. I think you develop the broad skills for being the consultant, but you also develop some depth in a specific field. And this, this is something that you should be famous for, essentially. Uh, it could be anything. I mean, it could be data and analytics, it could be agile development, it could be blockchain, whatever. For me, the, my original focus was ERP systems, enterprise applications, and more specifically, finance systems. Uh, but of course, 
as, as areas develop your, as your career develops, there are always more niche areas that you can get into. Uh, and the more niche you go, the more specific you are, potentially the more unique you are. And if that's in a demand, an area that's in demand, the more in demand you come, uh, you become. So many years ago, I, I started an Oracle practice um, and I knew, you know, I ended up knowing a lot about Oracle ERP. And because I was an accountant and I knew financial tools, I knew a lot about Oracle's financial tools. I could tell you about the functionality of the tool, about the pros and cons, about the support lifecycle of Oracle, uh, how and when to update it, all of that stuff. Um, I often ask my team, um, the members of my team, to imagine that they're at a fairground. Now, this is a really unusual uh, analogy, but I ask them to imagine they're at a fairground where everybody in the firm or all the consultants in the market have a stall. And I ask them, what is written on the front of your stall? Uh, and in my opinion, at some point, you need to know the answer to that question. And I, I think the happiest consultants, the most content consultants, the most successful consultants are the ones that know what's written on the front of the stall. What is it that they're, that they're uh, famous for? Now, I will say that as you progress through your career, uh, you will pick up uh, more adjacent skills. So I learned about finance systems, but then I learned about finance processes. I learned about finance functions, how they were constructed. I learned how to shape, and build operating models. So I kind of became an expert to some, to some degree, at least, um, in digital finance. Um, as I learned about processes, I became more immersed in automation technology. So robots, AI, lean process. Um, so you start to develop out um, across a range of domains. And I think there is real power in having one, uh, or having more than one vertical, right? So as you develop, you develop out from that T, I think getting more than one vertical is really important. So bringing together two skills that are related or have some overlap is, is really key. Um, so if you took the example of say data and analytics, data and analytics is something of real value and merit very much in demand in the market. Um, but I suppose the question might be, how do you stand out? How do you add greater value to clients? Well, another area of skill might be an industry, knowing about an industry. So regulated industries tend to be very choosy about the people that they bring in, the consultants that they bring in. They want them to have the right skills. So for example, knowing about data and analytics in financial services could be very much more powerful. So while the T is useful, um, starting to develop out a number of adjacent areas can be, can be extremely, extremely helpful. Okay, great. Um, yeah, so just touching on the, that idea of having a, a T, T skills, what would you say the key skills that consultants should have at the top of that T be um, that nearly every consultant should, should look at developing? Okay, so um, I, I, I could probably talk about the very basic skills which are important for, for uh, all consultants, such as business analysis, right? I think we're all, no matter where we are in our career, we have to be business analysts, right? It's all about converting a business need into technology and being that person with the uh, one foot in each camp. I think project management, I think facilitation. So all of these are really important. Um, but I think I'd probably like to highlight two, um, and I won't go into too much detail here, but two that um, I think are really important to remember for technologists, um, because I think we tend to skip them. Um, and that is relationship building and communication. Um, so 
if I think of relationship building, I think it's a given that you will bring your core capabilities, your technical skills to an engagement with a client as a consultant. And I think it's a given that you need to deliver to the scope, you need to deliver to good quality and to the objective that you were asked to, to fulfill. What's sometimes less obvious, uh, I think, as I say, particularly for, for technology consultants, is the need um, and indeed the benefits of building a relationship. And I'm thinking here of a, a balanced relationship. I'm thinking about a long-term partnership um, with a client as opposed to what might be called a transactional relationship. Now, this it's beneficial to the consultant because I think as a consultant, you'll get infinitely more satisfaction from a job. It reduces pressure. Um, but I'd also think it's to the benefit of the client because the characteristics of building a relationship uh, by themselves bring about a better experience and a better outcome for the client. And I think our happiest clients are those where we build relationship with. Now, there's lots written on this uh, and there's lots you can investigate. I think the kind of characteristics that I'm talking about in a relationship like this are trust. There's something about being honest in your dealings um, and being honest about what you can achieve, honest about the limits of your, your knowledge, not setting yourself up as a uh, some kind of messiah, but also honest about what's going well and what isn't. Um, there's something in that about being authentic, and that sometimes means having to speak uh, the uncomfortable truth, so speaking with candor, uh, call, calling out what might damage the project, calling out what might be the real cause of issues, for example, uh, calling out what might damage the relationship. So there's clearly something here about understanding what the client, what the person needs and keeping that in mind. So not just the business needs, but the person themselves. And that means some commitment to the, to the client's development or pursuit of the client's goals. A good consultant doesn't seek to, for example, create a dependency. When they leave the client, they should leave the client in a better position with better capabilities than when they started out. So you're, you're essentially looking to leave the relationship uh, in a better place. Um, the other one I mentioned is communication. So I think, you know, again, lots, lots written on this uh, and a lot more than I know about it. But I think it's really important that you recognize, that people recognize the importance of communication. It's probably evident to lots of people. Uh, as technologists, though, we love picking up skills in technology. We're like magpies with skills uh, for technology. So it's not always appreciated. Uh, and I don't think it uh, that enough people give it the attention it deserves. I, I, I know I didn't. Uh, so you can, can be great at whatever you do as a consultant, whether it's infrastructure, data and analytics, whatever. But if you can't properly communicate to your client, they will never get the value that they're paying for. And your potential as a consultant and your potential in your career will never be realized. Um, I suppose, secondly, recognize that there are some people who are better than others at this, but it is something that can be worked upon and improved. Yeah, okay. Uh, Trevor, so uh, since you mentioned that uh, communication will be a, a key skill for a consultant, so uh, what do you think, uh, what was your thought about how to be a better communicator? Okay, uh, yes, okay. Um, so I suppose listening, so less than talking. Uh, and having the humility to listen. So it's not your job as a consultant to always be right. Um, it certainly helps if, if you're right, at least some of the time, but re being right is not enough. Um, a lot of consultant is about being curious. 
It's about listening to what others say. A lot of it's about facilitation. I think I mentioned facilitation as a core skill. Um, and when I say listen, I, I mean really listen, not pretending to be listening, not be planning your next question or thinking about something else entirely. Your focus should be on the person talking. And that's um, that's harder than it sounds. Uh, to do that means that you have to be prepared. So preparation is key. Uh, I think as you progress in your career, you probably get better at it, but you probably have less time to prepare. Uh, preparation, I think, is, is one of the keys to good communication. Don't let uh, the first time you say something be, you know, a couple of seconds before you've actually said it, the first time that you actually think about it. Um, I think you're probably thinking I should have take my own advice. But if you prefer it before, even a little bit, uh, you'll be more ready for a conversation and the communication will, will be effortless. Um, the other thing I think is really important, and I notice this a lot with data and analytics people, is to <laughs> tailor the level of detail in your communication to your audience. Um, I, I'm working on a project at the moment and I have a fantastic guy leading on the data and, and uh, data migration. And he has his sleeves rolled up and he's in the detail, but he also presents back to the steering group. And it's very difficult to shift from the detail that he's doing on his day-to-day -day job to come back and speak to senior people at the right level of detail. So always start with the helicopter view, give the exact summary of your point, and if people want more information, they'll ask for it. Great. Um, okay, so just moving on, uh, do you think there's a clear line between being a strategist versus a technologist in consulting? Um, so I suppose... It, might be how I interpret the question, but I'd say that everything we do uh, is about a strategy. Uh, even where you're, where it's not explicit, where you can't see any mention of the word in your brief, what you're doing must be in furtherance of a strategy. So there has to be a direct line between the activities you're car carrying out and a strategy. And by that, I mean primarily the business strategy. Uh, in some cases, that link is really explicit. So we know that technologies can now drive business models, can be the interface for customer engagement. It can be, I suppose, it can create new revenue streams. Um, so, for example, we worked with a real estate client recently who wanted to use technology to effectively shift their position in the value chain. So go from purely bricks and mortar to real estate as a service, property as a platform. So this was technology helping to drive a strategy and we helped the client with that. So it was quite obvious that we were driving strategy, changing the business model, very clear to see. But as we move down from clearly developing out a strategy to something more technical, uh, maybe more tactical, uh, it's still the case that we're delivering on a strategy. Um, and in most cases, when we're asked to do something specific with te technology, we'll often have to go back upstream to find out what the business strategy is. And it's often not nicely written out. You, you have to go and talk to people to find out what it is. Um, and you kind of have to work it through, um, often implicitly having a lot of conversations. You have to f often have to facilitate, bring business leadership together to get them to align on the strategy, to really surface it. And then you have to understand what that means. Right? What are the key drivers of that strategy? And then fundamentally, what's technology's role in supporting those drivers? Um, so when we were asked to do an IT strategy, for example, uh, and we, we need to know the business strategy first. Uh, we need to know what is important to an enterprise or an organization. We need to understand the aspirations of the CEO and the entire leadership team. I worked recently at a, a really successful indigenous Irish uh, FMCG fast-moving consumer good company. 
Um, they were expanding globally, constantly moving into new territories. They had a brand new CEO. And when I spoke to her, she said what her key aspiration was that they would move from being in a situation where they made decisions based on instinct and guesswork to making decisions based on data. So straight away, she told me a fundamental part of the strategy, fundamental driver. And that meant that we needed to set out an operating model where people had the skills and capabilities needed, that they had the right mix of those capabilities in the business and IT, that they had data literacy, um, that we had to tackle that, make sure they had the right tools, um, but they had leadership around data, that their culture was around data, they had the governance and processes, and they had the delivery model, right? So putting data capabilities in IT, but also in the business. Um, when we select an ERP system, when we implement a finance system, whatever we're doing, it has to be aligned to a strategy. When we implement the strategy, we do so constantly mindful of a business case, again, often not written down, unfortunately, which is aligned to an outcome and a strategy. So strategy is always a core part of what we're doing, even when it doesn't seem necessarily obvious. Okay, thank you. Uh, so the next question question will be regarding the politics. So how will uh, you handle the politics of being a consultant? Yeah, uh, <laughs> with difficulty sometimes. So look, pol politics is everywhere and it's an inevitable part of the job. I suppose it's an inevitable part of any job. You're dealing with human beings all with their own hopes, their dreams and aspirations. And sometimes what you're brought in to do may interfere with those. I mean, it can be a real threat uh, to some people. If I think about how we often support clients is getting them from a point where they have an opportunity or an issue and we work with them to develop options, pr provide insight on those options. So maybe we're talking them through the pros and cons, the implications, the benefits, the costs, uh, and then potentially making a recommendation on the, on the right way forward, right? Um, so we really need to kind of stay with them through that journey. Now that all sounds fine, but the reality is your engagements are rarely one-to-one. -one. So rarely do you just have one client in the business. So even if you're talking to a CEO, they probably have a leadership team, CFO, COO, um, and many different people who have to be involved before a final decision is reached. And each of those people will bring their own perspectives, their own preconceptions, their own aspirations to the table. So a real part of the job is often to understand, to clarify, and surface the views and opinions of the wider uh, set of stakeholders. Um, client politics are unavoidable. If you can't deal with the politics, you're not going to be an effective um, advisor. So a really key thing to do early on in any job is to understand the wider stakeholder group for every job. Always ask the question, always set it out. If you don't understand the stakeholder group and how they relate to the piece of work you're doing, um, well, then you can't actually do the job well. If you can't answer or don't understand um, who's involved and who's interested in your work, then you're going to spend expend a lot of energy and potentially find out late in the job that you've misunderstood it. Um, and that can be as simple as understanding who initiated the piece of work that you're brought in to do, because uh, not always the person that you think. So you have to uh, consult appropriately and you have to learn the skills of bringing that whole team with you, bring them on the journey. And I mean that in an authentic way. It's a two-way communication, learning what their perspective is, learning why, sharing the perspective of, of, of your view and maybe of the key client, uh, 
and bringing them through the through the options. And what you're really doing is checking in with everybody as you bring the job to a conclusion. Um, so you don't want to end up, for example, putting a final report down or in a final meeting where the view or the findings that you've uh, you know brought to the surface will be discussed. And if you haven't shared that with the wider team, then uh, good luck. Uh, because often what you'll get is resistance, defensive reactions, stonewalling, um, and that's not where you want it to happen. So you, you need to bring people along the way. And that's about an awareness and an understanding of politics. Uh, but I will say you need to resist getting caught up in the politics. So it's vital that you understand the stakeholder group, but don't get embroiled in it. Um, so, uh, I mean, you, you can be aware of it. You need to actively manage it for the good of your client. Yeah, that's really interesting, particularly around the the aspect of relationship building in politics there. Um, so just finally, could you do you have any advice you could share on sort of good practice in the hybrid workplace? Ah, OK. <laughs> well, look, hybrid's probably here to stay for the foreseeable, right? Um, I do think that if we if we get into another recession, we might see some change and back to presenteeism. Uh, but. I, I think hybrid is ultimately here to, to say. I think at the moment there is a bit of a tension, uh, a, a, probably a bit of a disconnect between employees and employers, and that needs to be resolved, and it will resolve. I don't think anyone really knows exactly what the workplace is going to look like a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. Um, I think the, you know there's, it's, it's still emerging. Um, but that, I suppose, presents... An opportunity, right? So it's a, it's an opportunity for changes to our operating models, changes to where we find good people, uh, people in different locations, a different profile of worker, uh, people who maybe are not full time or casual workers, contract people. It opens up massive opportunities. Um, we opened. We we spoke earlier about having a a deep specialism. I have, I have a guy implementing who's been implementing ERP systems his whole career but his his primary focus is in large real estate firms now he lives in Galway and because of that niche and he only moved there a couple of years ago because of that niche it would be incredibly hard for him to find work in Ireland but because of the hybrid working uh it it doesn't matter he can uh, he can work whatever right so it, it, fantastic opportunities uh, and i personally have found it very productive very efficient but there is a downside that i think we're all learning about uh, we're learning about anxiety and fear the uncertainty that's out there we're learning about a loss of corporate culture and cohesion and i'm sure you guys have experienced it going through uh, your course as well, right? So you're, you, you know, it, it's all about the learning experiences, about the people you meet, the contacts you make, uh, as, as well as the partying, right? So some of those things are very difficult to do in a hybrid world. So I think for people starting out on their careers, the hybrid working model can be especially difficult, really problematic. Um, when I hire new grads, I certainly want them to feel the occasion of joining Grand Thornton. Uh, we've invested in some fantastic buildings right across the country, and I want them to get a feeling of what that means. I want them to be able to connect with colleagues. Um, I want them to be able to have those chance encounters. Uh, I want them to have the opportunities to discuss projects, to share ideas, to network, and to learn. And the learning piece is really important, right? A lot of learning is done by being in contact with others, by looking over someone's shoulder, by overhearing conversations that other people are having. So it's almost by osmosis. And the real concern um, I have certainly is that um, I want 
people to learn and connect and to feel engaged. Um, so we're doing a lot of thinking about the employee journey, uh, what people do where, analysis, collaboration, innovation. And I think there's a lot more uh, work to be done. But I think it's it, it's funny. I, th I think it's kind of flipped on its head. We used to consider the office a place of work. It, it still is, clearly. But I think there's something more now about being a place for for socializing, right? It's a place for collaboration. It's a place for meeting people. So that's quite a, quite a flip. Uh, and I think it's something that in time will affect, you know, affect us as a wider uh, society. So look, in short, someone starting out a career, I would ask, you know, there's a need to be patient there. But I would say, turn up. I believe you'll get more from your career, more learning, more satisfaction, more connection uh, from, uh, I suppose, leaning in. Um, and just so. on that, have you heard of any sort of new technologies that could maybe help with that side of creating a cultural, you know, a cultural cultural vibe in an organization in a hybrid workplace? Or have you heard of any other technologies that have helped with hybrid working? Well, it was interesting. I was uh, I was listening to a podcast yesterday where they were talking about um, uh, dating in, in, in the metaverse, right? So I, I think ultimately that's probably where we're headed, right? So we're, we're currently in a two-dimensional world, all staring at screens and using the likes of Teams and Zoom, what have you. I think ultimately we will end up moving to the metaverse. And maybe I think ultimately technology will solve some of these problems. I think we're still very much exploring. I think we're, you know, looking at technology that enhances collaboration that dishes out uh, work and uh, deals with it in a smooth way i think companies who have automated their processes find that much much easier but i think around the, uh, the collaboration and the social piece i think we still have a way to go and that's why i say that in the short term at least the turning up is better until we all end up in the in, in the metaverse and maybe all those problems will disappear Okay, so uh, thank you very much, uh, Trevor. I think we are all wrapped up here. And uh, thank, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts today. Thank you. Very enjoyable. Thank you for listening. The music is Impulse by Ben Prunty from his album Chromatic T-Rex and used with his permission.